Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. This weekend is a uh, preparation for Easter, okay? What we're going to talk about this weekend, I've been praying over, praying that the Lord would prepare us for next weekend and prepare us for what he wants to do. And, And in order to do that, we're going to go somewhere weird, and you probably never would have thought that this is going to be the best preparation for Easter, but this year, I feel like in prayer that this is the best preparation for Easter morning. We are going to talk about the Song of Songs. Weird, huh? Like, like, you're the only person that's like, sweet. Everyone else is like, what? What the heck? The Song of Songs. What The Song of Songs, the, the name of the book, Song of Songs, means the greatest song ever written. And we barely ever read it. But did you know that this, this is one of the wisdom books in the Bible? In other words, you're supposed to read the Song of Songs, the greatest romance story ever written, and it's supposed to give us wisdom. I'll tell you a great piece of wisdom in the Song of Songs. Do not awaken love before it's time. That's a great piece of wisdom. For anybody who's ever felt the tension of temptation that you want to be a little bit closer to your loved one than you're allowed to because you're not married yet, there's a piece of wisdom. Do not awaken love before it's time. But this entire book is supposed to teach us the wisdom of God. It's a 3,000-year-old love poem, a 3,000-year-old romance, and it's supposed to teach us about God's divine gift of love about sacred sexuality. Did you know that romance was God's idea? Did you know that even our sexuality was God's idea? And this book is steamy, guys. I mean, this book is like hot tamales. I mean, okay, maybe as you're reading it, you're like, I don't get it. Her teeth are like sheep. How is that attractive? But 3,000 years ago, a woman with all her teeth. And they're white. Come on, man. That's a, that's a turn on. <laughs> so this is also a parable. The reason that it teaches us the wisdom of God is because what we don't understand in our entire lives we're trying to figure out is the depth of the love of God for us. And this book is trying to teach us how very deeply and desperately and passionately God feels towards his people. In fact, it's a tradition in the Jewish tradition that during Passover, at the end of the Seder meal, they would sit down and drink cups of wine and read the Song of Songs. Why would they read the Song of Songs? Because they're celebrating being delivered from slavery, and they need to remember, why would God set a bunch of slaves free? And the Song of Songs teaches them because he's mad passionately in love with you. That's what the Song of Songs is about. And as you're reading it, it's not always in order. Sometimes it's hard to understand. And so let me just give you a little bit of an overview of this parable. There's three main characters. There's, um, first one is Solomon, the king. The second one is this Shulamite, this beautiful woman. And the third is some friends that keep talking to them. Now, some people think there's a fourth character, a shepherd, but let me tell you what I think. I think this is about King Solomon He's going about his business one day, and he sees this girl that is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life. 
And she's out in a vineyard, and she's picking grapes, and he instantly falls madly in love with her. The problem is, in order for Solomon to go anywhere, he has to bring a huge entourage. And there are chariots, and there are, there are soldiers, and he's surrounded by attendants. But he wants intimacy with this woman, and he wants to woo her as himself without all of the trappings in his glory. So he dresses up like a shepherd boy, and he sneaks out of the kingdom and, he, and out of the palace, and he comes late at night and early in the morning, and he begins to woo this woman. And she falls in love with him. And the whole story is he'll, he'll tell her how, how hot she is, and then she'll tell him how hot he is. They're, they're just completely in love with each other, madly in love with each other. They're sneaking out. He's chasing after her until he finds her. Then she's chasing after him until she finds him. It's a story of mutual pursuit and mutual attraction, right? And they have this place that they like to get away together. It's a garden. It's their secret place. When he dresses up like a shepherd and he goes out and he comes tapping on her window at night and they sneak out together to the garden where they can whisper words of love. That is the picture of the Song of Songs, okay? So, as in all relationships, as in all romances, there is a moment of trial. There's a moment of trouble. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at trouble in paradise, okay? The, the uh, name of this message is Meet Me in the Garden. By the way, did you know you were made? Mankind was made in a garden. Jesus was buried in a garden. And Jesus rose in the garden. And he's still calling people back to gardens. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We've been looking at this book for centuries, not understanding what the heck you're talking about. It's hard to relate to, but I pray right now as we begin to read this that you would stir our hearts and you would awaken us to the things that awaken you. I pray that you would make us passionate about the things you're passionate about, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak wisdom through this book of wisdom in the name of Jesus. Lord, today, would you do inside of us whatever you want to do. We submit our ears and our hearts and our minds and our lives to you. Transform us as you wish. We want to be like you in Jesus' name. Amen, people of God? Okay. You ready? Is it okay that we talk about, about this? Is it okay if we talk about steamy stuff? We're not all puritanical around here, right? I mean, every person around here who's married knows where babies come from, right? That's not a secret? Okay. Do you remember what it feels like to be in love? Do you remember the first time you touched someone's hand that you were attracted to? Do you remember how electricity went through your whole body? Do you remember when you were young and before you were allowed to touch anybody, trying to sit so close that your, that your legs touched? Just because, do you remember that? Just because that was a thrill? Do you remember that? Do you remember back when we had telephones that couldn't call for free anytime we wanted them to? And you'd call somebody on the telephone and you'd talk until you didn't have anything left to say. You were just saying dumb stuff. And then you just sit there listening to each other breathe. <sighs> Do you remember that? Do you remember what it feels like to be in love? Do you remember? You, you look at everyone else in the world. Everyone else is having problems in their relationship because they have no idea what love really feels like. You're the first person to have discovered love. 
No one else knows what love is. It's, this is the first time love has ever erupted in any heart, and it's between you and this person. Do you know what I'm talking about? Show me your hand if you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you need to figure out what I'm talking about. This is good stuff. So Jen and I, when we first began our relationship, I lived in Texas, she lived in Pennsylvania, and we would write to each other because long distance cost money at that time, kids. So we would write letters to each other. And she would write me a letter, and every time I got her letter, I'd open it and I'd read it, and I'd fold it back up, and I'd put it in my back pocket, and I'd carry it until I got the next letter. If it was a week, I would carry it for a week, and I'd open it, and I'd reread it, and I'd put it in my pocket. If it was two weeks, I'd carry it for two weeks, and I'd open it, and I'd read it, and I'd put it back in my back pocket. So all of our old letters look like they've just been sat on for two weeks straight <laughs> because I carried her letters with me until I got the next word from her because they were precious to me. I remember the moment I fell in love with her. God told me that I could marry any woman I wanted to, but if I wanted his perfect will for my life, I would marry Jennifer Cathers. And in that moment, I leaned my heart towards her, but that wasn't when I fell in love with her. Do you, do you know when I fell in love with you? I'd come to Pennsylvania. I was visiting, and it was super awkward because she knew I was interested, and she wasn't. So... <laughs> So this guy came all the way across the country in order to spend time with her, and she knew what I was up to because I had already called her mom and told her what I was up to. I was coming there to see if I could find myself a wife, and she was not interested at all. So I think maybe she was trying to get rid of me, but she brought me uh, to her daddy's church, and I remember sitting on the platform of her daddy's church, and the pulpit was right over here, and I was sitting over here, and Jennifer was on the ground behind the pulpit, and there was a book of hymns that was in the pulpit. She pulled out that book of hymns, and she sat cross-legged on the ground, and she flipped from page to page, and she sang old hymns. She just sat there singing old hymns. And I was sitting over here watching her, and as I'm watching her, it was like there was a spotlight on Jennifer. And there was no other light in the entire room. And as she's singing hymns, half of which I'd never heard before in my life, my heart just went, bleh. <laughs> and I fell in love with Jennifer as she was loving Jesus. Do you know why God allows us to feel things like that? Because... God feels things like that. The reason that God gives us those experiences is because this is the heart of God towards you. Blah. God adores us. And part of the purpose behind this book is for us to understand how deeply and passionately God feels about his people. Now, we're talking about these two young lovers, so what we're going to do is we're going to begin in Song of Songs 5-1, and we're going to look at the lover and the beloved, the guy and the girl, and we start right here, and this is the guy. I want you to pay attention to where he is. He says, I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. It, today, it wouldn't be romantic if you called somebody your sister. That'd be like, what? But back then, apparently, that was like super romantic. I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. Where is he? He's in the garden. The garden is their rendezvous point. They've set up a date. It's the middle of the night, and he's in the garden waiting for her to show up and to spend time with him. Now, watch this. Listen to this language. I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I've gathered my myrrh and my spices, perfume. He has some perfume. 
I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey, his breath is good. I've drunk my wine and my milk, he's just a little bit saucy. Now, listen, this is sensuous language. This is a God who is a sensuous God waiting for his beloved to come to this place of intimacy and meet with him. Jesus is still waiting in gardens for his beloved to show up. Jesus is still waiting in secret places for his beloved to show up. This is the place where God initiated intimate relationship when he created Adam, when he created Eve. It's the place where he won back intimate relationship through the cross and the resurrection. And it's the place that he's still calling us to. And it's, it's sensuous. Now, next, he's in the garden waiting for her. Where is she? Let's look at the next verse. I slept, but my heart was awake. Where's she? She's asleep. She's supposed to be meeting him in the garden, and she's in bed asleep. I don't know. She's got curlers on and her face mask. I don't know what's going on, but for some reason, they were supposed to have a rendezvous in the garden, and she is at home asleep. I don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but for whatever reason, he's waiting for her to meet him in this rendezvous, and she's in bed asleep. You and I have, you've probably gone through this. Have you ever gone through times where you were really passionate about God, but for some reason, you fell asleep? For some reason, you got distracted. For some reason, something else pulled you away. Maybe you got weary. For some reason, you fell asleep. But look at this. It says, her heart was awake. The heart knows its maker. The heart knows its love, and the heart is like a pilot light on an oven. Even when you're not using the oven, the pilot light is still on. Her heart is still on. It's still awake. So watch this. It says, listen, my beloved is knocking. Even while she's asleep, her heart perks up because she hears her beloved. This means he came out of the garden, and he comes to her window. Guys, this is romantic. This is Romeo and Juliet. This is 3,000-year-old Serrano de Bergerac. This is sexy stuff. He comes, out of the, he comes out of the rendezvous point, and he comes looking for her, and he comes to her window, and it's like he's throwing rocks up at the window, or he's knocking at the window, and he's trying to get her attention. He says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I just want you to get this image in your head. He's out there, and he's singing the song of songs. What is the most romantic song you know? He's singing the most romantic song that has ever been known on the face of the earth, up to her window, his hair is wet. He's dripping with dew. His shirt clings to his heaving chest. <laughs> it is Don Juan. <laughs> He's coming for love. How many of you are 80s kids? Yeah, okay, 80s kids. Do you, do you guys remember Say Anything? Anybody remember John Cusack and say anything? I want to show you a clip, okay? If, if your beloved comes to your door, knocking at your window or throwing pebbles up and singing the song of all songs, maybe he's got this Spanish guitar in his hands. How do you respond? Watch this. Maybe. Possibly. 
she's asleep, but her heart is awake. This is... What is this? All my instincts, they return. The grand facade, so soon we'll burn. This song. Oh my God. Jeez. In your eyes, the light, the heat. Your eyes, I am complete. Your eyes, I see the doorways of a thousand churches. Your eyes, the resolution. Oh my gosh. Every teenage girl in the 80s is watching this movie and they're cheering for this girl, Diane. Get up, Diane. Go to the window, Diane. He loves you, Diane. You were made for each other, Diane. If you're an 80s girl, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is the most romantic scene in any movie you'd ever seen. And you're going, I want a guy to show up with a boombox outside of my window and play in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. And I'll get up for you, Lloyd. I'll get up for you. That's what's going on in this, this poem. He's outside the window. He's singing the most romantic song there ever was. And this is how you're supposed to feel as you're reading it. Get up, girl. Come on, get up. He's in love with you. You know you're made for him. You know you're made for him. You're never going to be happy until you go to the window. We're supposed to be cheering her on. Get up, get up. But what happens? Let's go to the next verse. Song of Songs 5-3. This is the most pathetic response I've ever seen. <laughs> get up, girl. He loves you. He's passionately in love with you. In your eyes, the light, the heat. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I, I already washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Listen, two chapters ago, she couldn't keep her hands off this guy. Two chapters ago, her friends are going, hey, would you have any advice for us? And she's like, do not awaken love before it's time. Now, what happened? Suddenly, what is this, complacency? Is this just spiritual complacency? Is, is she just asleep? Is she hurt? I don't know. Is she angry? I don't know. But I want to tell you something. Heaven is looking at earth, and they have this same frustration. Human beings are so fickle. We're so fickle. Five minutes ago, you loved God. Five minutes ago, you knew who you, in the scope of humanity. Five minutes ago, you were passionately in love with him, and now you won't even get up out of your bed to answer the most romantic song in the history of the world. You guys all right? Hmm. How's he supposed to react? How would you react? 
you know, this guy has been controlling himself for chapters. This guy has been looking at her and loving her and adoring her for chapters. And he's singing her the song of songs. And she is at this place. You know how he responds? His passion blows a gasket. Look at this. This is her perspective. She said, my beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. She's got shutters on her window and it's locked. He's standing out there and he's singing to her and he's adoring her and he's loving her and he's asking for entrance. And she says something that is so completely complacent and so completely out of character that his passion ignites. But instead of expressing it at her in a way that would harm her, he attacks the barrier. He punches his hand through the door latch. That thing that's coming between him and his bride, he punches his hand through it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ looked to his bride and her complacency and her dead heart towards him, and he punched his hand through history. He punched his hand, he punched his hand through hell, the gates of hell. He tore the gates off the hinges. He punched his hand through heaven and earth. He came down. He disguised himself as a carpenter in order to woo the heart of a bride. And then he went to the cross and he punched his hand through sin and death and the grave. He punched his hand between heaven and earth so that he can have access to his bride. This is the most romantic thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. And her heart goes, whoa, that was sexy. Look, my heart began to pound for him. Oh, listen, there's a time in every believer's life where you, you may have heard the gospel a thousand times, but you hear it one time and your heart goes, your day that's your day it's the day your pilot light flares up it's the day it's the day you recognize his love for you listen if you felt that you're ruined you're messed up watch this i arose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt what is that all about she reaches out to get the window because he's he's punched his hand through it she goes to find him but she opens the window and he's not standing there anymore but there's there's this perfume all over the window you know what i think happened i think he was bringing her a gift i think he was waiting in the garden to give her a gift and she didn't show up and so he came to her window and he tried to get her to open the window so that he could give her a gift and she wouldn't get up and so finally he punched his hand through the window and he broke the jar and when he broke the jar the oil got all over the window listen guys when the father God broke through when he punched his hand through on the cross he had a gift for you and me he had a gift and when he did it he broke the jar and when he did something was poured out it's the anointing of God it's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's his presence. And if you've ever gotten that on your fingers, you are ruined. Because once you get that smell, once you feel that perfume, once your heart has beat in response to this, you will never in your life be satisfied until you have it. I will never in my life be satisfied until I 
have it. You tracking with me, people of God? I don't even know where I am anymore. Is that okay? Watch what she does next. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he didn't answer. Have you ever been in that place where you feel like, where are you, God? Where are you? I'm looking for you. Where, why, why, why does it feel like my prayers aren't being answered? Why does it feel like you're not close? It felt like at one time you were close. Why does it feel like you're not close anymore? I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Pause. Where is the man? Where do you think he went as soon as he punched his hand through her window? Where did he go? He went to the garden because the garden is their rendezvous place. The garden is their secret place. The garden is where they go to be intimate with one another. Where is she looking for him? Guys, pay attention. She's running around the city. She's running all around the city. Listen, she knows where he is. She knows where the intimate place is. She knows where the meeting place is. She knows where he would have gone. But something inside of her causes to look everywhere else first. Have you ever been in this place? You felt the presence of God. You sensed the presence of God. You've heard the message of God. There's something in your heart that's ruined for everything else, but you're going to look everywhere else rather than going back to the place where you know Jesus is waiting for you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are there any wanderers in this room, anyone who's wandered, anyone who's, who's been a prodigal, anyone who's tried something else? Listen, anything you try is going to fall short. Can anybody testify to that? Anything I try to meet that need with is going to fall short because I was made for this love. Let's keep going. Now look, she's looking around the city and watch what happens. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. You know what happens when you go looking for the love of God in places where the love of God isn't? You get hurt. You get beat up. Oh, my gosh. Do any of you have loved ones like this? You remember when they used to go to church. Do you have people that you care about? I know everybody in this room has somebody. I'm going to ask right now that the Holy Spirit brings them to your mind. Somebody in your life that you know used to be in love with Jesus that you know used to go to church, maybe even was a leader, that you know had that moment when they gave themselves to the Lord. You know they had that moment. But for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe they're hurt. Maybe they're frustrated. They're searching everywhere else. And you watch them get beaten up and beaten up and beaten up. And it's so frustrating because someone so beautiful is becoming so broken. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can I be transparent with you for a minute and, 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 and tell a story that I'm not particularly proud of? It's not about me, but it's about my response to somebody that I love. My little brother, um, he was saved when he was itty-bitty. Went to church, 
memorized the Bible, part of discipleship programs. He was so cheerful. He was so happy. He was a beautiful kid, married a Christian girl, looked like he had a future in front of him, and something happened. We've been talking for years trying to figure out what happened. Was it when he was hurt in the church here? Was it when this person said this? What, what happened to him? What was, it, what was it that caused him to fall asleep? What was it that caused him to look everywhere else, all through the city, to find the satisfaction of his heart when he knew the satisfaction of his heart was only in one place? Maybe a change in career. Maybe that'll satisfy my heart. But the Lord wasn't in it. Maybe it's my marriage. Maybe if, I have, maybe if I find someone who truly loves me, maybe that'll satisfy my heart. But, but the Lord wasn't in that. Maybe if I divorce. But the Lord wasn't in that. There was no satisfaction in that. Maybe if I, maybe if I drink enough, maybe my heart will feel better. But the Lord wasn't in that. And there was no satisfaction in it. Maybe if, maybe, maybe... Maybe the satisfaction of my heart is out there. Maybe that's just some woman I haven't met yet. And so I'll go from love to love to love to brokenness, beaten down, harmed and wounded, and there's no satisfaction in any of it. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe if I, maybe if I go to the doctors, they can tell me what's wrong with me. Maybe a doctor has my healing, but there's no satisfaction in that. Maybe if I take enough Drugs, I can medicate it, but there's no satisfaction in that. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody who's wandered away? It can be so hard to talk to those people. So it, it can be so frustrating because you just want to take them and you want to shake them and you want to go, wake up, come on. Don't you remember? Wake up. And our tendency is to want to argue with those people. And our tendency is to want to smack them upside the head and say, come on. Jesus is better than this. Don't you remember Jesus is better than this? But no argument works. And every time we try to talk about it, we fight. Do you know what I'm talking about? Something miraculous happens. I want to show you this next, this next verse. This is Song of Songs, chapter 6. Sorry, 510. Remember I told you there was a third set of characters and they're friends. And the friends ask questions. And the friends say things that lead them constantly back together with one another. And this is what happens. She's searching through the streets. She's beat up. She's wounded. They even take her veil from her. She loses her purity. She loses what feels like everything, wandering, looking for her love. And her friends come to her in verse 9, and they ask her just the right question. I want, I want to ask you, will you be praying for just the right question? You don't have to preach to people. You don't have to tell them everything. What if it just takes the right question? Watch this. How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others, 
that you would so charge us. You know what she just finished saying? She just says, if you find my beloved, will you tell him that my heart is grieved? In other words, she's saying, if you talk to God, would you pray for me and tell him I'm broken? And they say, what is it about him that's so wonderful? They ask her a question, and watch what happens. This is verse 10. She begins to remember, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted with jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips, if only you knew his lips, they're like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are like rods of gold set in topaz. She begins to remember, and as she remember, her heart begins to reignite. And then they ask one more important question. Watch this. Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 2. Oh, verse 1. Watch this. They're not arguing. They're not preaching. They're not trying to convince her. They just say, where is your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you. We'll help you find him. Where did he go? And suddenly she has an aha moment. Boom. She has an aha moment. Watch this. Verse 2. Ah! My beloved has gone down to the garden. She wakes up. I remember. I remember when I used to come into the church and I felt the presence. I remember when I would sit down with the Bible and I felt like the Lord would sit down beside me. I remember where I once found him, where I once knew him. My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. And then look what she says. She remembers it all. I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. Her identity wakes up. As soon as she remembers, not just how much she loves him, but where to go to find him, her identity wakes up. I remember. I looked everywhere else. Nothing was satisfying. But now I remember. I'm my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. She wakes up, and she comes back. People of God, the rest of this book is a wedding because she comes back to her beloved. Why am I telling you? Why am I telling you all this? I remember the last conversation that I had with my little brother. And he'd been, he'd been such a beautiful soul, but he had become um, so broken and so dark. And it was Christmas 1997, sorry, 2017, I know there's a seven in there. It was Christmas 2017, and we were clearing brush on my parents' property. My, my parents are getting a little older, and we try to help whenever we can. So we were clearing brush, and we were burning brush, and we were just lugging wood over and cutting it and burning it together, and I could sense there was tension in the air, you know? There's tension in the air. I knew that there was something that he wanted to say. 
He'd been searching and searching and searching. He took a goblet of pills every day, like a goblet of pills every day. And he would drink himself to sleep every night. And his wife, his now wife, had just served him divorce papers. And I knew that he was depressed. And I knew that he was hurt. And I knew that he was broken. But he was so And every time we talked, it turned into a fight. And there was so much tension in the air. And all I wanted to do is tell him, Luke, you know what you're made for. Why don't you just go back? But I just knew if I opened my mouth, it would be a fight again. I just knew that if if I opened my mouth, it would become an eruption again. And I knew that he was right on the edge. Can I tell you, if if I have one regret in life, I wish I could go back to that moment. I wish I could go back and just lift my eyes to God and say, what's the right question right now? I don't have all the answers. I've preached to him till I'm blue in the face and he doesn't listen. He erupts over everything. God, I have no idea what to say, but what would you say to him right now? What's the one thing I could... What's the one thing that I could ask him that his heart would respond to? And he went home that day and he took his life. pull on your heartstrings. I'm just telling you this because I don't want anybody to ever feel that again. I know that you have people you care about. I know that you have people you love. I know they're hard to talk to. But this is the point in Easter that the Lord is waiting in the garden. And next week we're going to the garden We're going to tell them about the cross. We're going to tell them about the resurrection. We're going to remind them of the great love of God for them. And I'm just telling you this. I'm just asking you this. Would you allow your heart to feel for that person again, for that difficult person again? There's someone in your life who's wondering, I want to go after the wanderers. There's someone in your life who's seeking. There's someone in your life who's astray. I want to go after the seekers. I want to go after the strays. I want to go after the prodigals. There's somebody in your life who maybe has never given their lives to Jesus Christ, but there's a light on because they know their maker. Their heart knows their maker, and you know they'll never be happy unless they come into his arms. And I'm just asking, would you ask God this week for that one question? Don't preach to him. Maybe that one question is, hey, would you come to church with me next week? We can go to lunch afterwards. Let's go to church together and then go to lunch afterwards. Let's hang out tomorrow. What are you doing on Easter? What are you doing? Maybe that question is just, will you come with me? And maybe God has a wanderer that he wants to lead back to his garden. Maybe he has a wonder in your life that he wants to lead back to his heart. Are you with me? Does anybody want that?
So this is, my, this is the plan for next week. Are you ready? This is the plan. The plan is we're going to get as many chairs into this building as we possibly can. We're going to get as many of our cars out of that parking lot as we par- possibly can and park somewhere else. If you're coming, carpool. Get other people in your car. Bring people with you. I want to get as many people into that parking lot as possible. I would love to see 600 people in this room and 100 people saved. Listen, I know some of you, I know we leave, you know why we leave spaces? We don't want to rub shoulders. I get it. I'm an introvert. I don't like crowded rooms, but you know what? The father does He wants his house full. He wants his sons back in his arms. He wants his daughters back in his arms. So this is what we're doing next week, guys. We are combat fishing. Shoulder to shoulder, line to line, every one of us, I want my limit. I want my soul. God, I want my loved ones. I want my neighbors. I remember when I used to pray with this person, and I haven't seen him in years. Go get him. Go get him. Bring him here. We're going to make room. And I promise you this. If you bring them into the house of the Lord, they will hear that he loves them. I promise you, they will hear the greatest romance ever told. The story of the Son of God who gave everything because he adored them. I promise you, they will hear of the resurrection. And I promise you, they will have an opportunity to have their hearts reignited. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.